You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 35 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to be joined on Skype by Tom Hiscott, the author of the Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. As well as can be. How about yourself? I'm not sure whether I can define it as a sad day because, of course, this is um, this is our last podcast of the 2019-2020 the season, the season that never was. All of these episodes will, of course, be expunged from the record. In fact, actually, it strikes me that, that these episodes g- going back over this season will probably, at some point in the future, um, become become quite an important historical record for historians <laughs> seeking to understand what went on in the season that never was, the season where all of the um, the records were expunged. Um, so how does it how does it feel to be a, a footballing time capsule? <laughs> Don't know if we get that far, but yeah, uh, it's yeah, obviously interesting times, and yeah, it's obviously a sad way for for the season to end. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get something similar slightly further up the leagues in the next few weeks or, or maybe months as well, because I don't know. It's tough to see an end to this, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's good good for the players to be to and, and people to be able to to look back at uh, yeah what will be a historical season I would say in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things when, but yeah well, further down the line well in the words of the famous song we have literally saved the best till last and we have three fantastic interviews for you on this week's podcast we kick off with my old mate Ray Johnson the manager of Hallen of course my favourite co-commentator for the Lesbian Lips Cup um, Stuart Jones joins us as well the manager of Ashton and Backwell and, and Stuart certainly didn't disappoint and for a final, a third. We don't normally give you a hat-trick of interviews, but I thought, as we were going to go out with a bit of a bang, we'd give you three um, on this week's edition. And uh, we have a fascinating conversation with a man who I'm sure that many of you will have been following on social media. Um, the, the account is Fans of the Western League Clubs. And um, I am delighted to uh, speak to the uh, the author of that account and talk to him a little bit about not only um, what was behind his interest in setting up the account, but also in the virtual cup um, that um, that took place at the weekend. Before we do get into this week's um, edition of the podcast, I'm going to start with um, 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 just offering a couple of condolences. We, we've done this from time to time um, throughout the season. We know that we can't always... Um, recognise the people who pass away who contributed to our league and our member clubs but from time to time we like to draw attention to to, to a couple of people by way if you like of recognising the contribution that all of our volunteers make but as I say that we can't always get to say all of the names at this time in particular of course we're bombarded in the media by horrendous statistics um, looking at fatalities every day and I don't have any belief that that either of these um, deaths were related to that. But I think it is important in the business of football and what we've been doing over the years with the Western League podcast to recognise the contribution of Malcolm Hunt, the life president and club secretary at Bishop Sutton, and Steve Hillier. Now, Steve was the fixture secretary um, for the Somerset County League, but of course he will have been known to many people in the Western League through his involvement with Chipping Sodbury Town, Bristol Manor Farm when they were a member side, and and Bishop Sutton as well. So it's been a difficult week um, for Bishop uh, Sutton in particular, um, but we remember the contribution of those people, and indeed all of the people, all of the names that we have recognised over the season uh, as we try and um, offer some um, sympathy um, to the clubs and to the people, more importantly, who run them, um, who who feel these losses very deeply. Now, uh, we'll move on to our first interview, and that is with the manager of Hallen. Uh, it is Ray Johnson. Um, and, um, well, Ray is never backward in coming forward, as I'm sure many of, of you will know. And with such a larger-than-life character, of course, I had to start the interview by asking him how he was surviving lockdown. Spending more time with the family, really. It's been horrible. <laughs> How did you feel when you heard that the season had been declared void? I understood it. There was a lot of pressure on various leagues and various um, and the FAs across the country to make a decision. But I think in retrospect, I think it may have been made too quickly, if I'm being honest. Um, I understand fully why they took the decision early. Um, but... 
you know, I think I think we could have held back on it a bit. I mean, do you think had they waited a bit longer, say, for example, for as long as the National League have, have waited, ultimately we'd have got to the same decision, but perhaps people would have felt that effort, more effort had been made to conclude the season, you know, in a, on the field rather than off it? For me, um, looking at it now, like, and, and please, please don't take things that I say as part of, like I'm some kind of medical genius that knows what's going on. I, I don't. But my original opinion when it all came out was that maybe that we should hold off on cancelling this season and perhaps cancel next season with a view to starting this one up again in January or February, which would ease the fixture pilot from the end of this season. And, you know, with with like rumours flying around now that, that pubs and clubs will be the last thing to reopen, you know, and there are there is talk of Christmas time where people will, um, where pubs and clubs will be reopening again. Maybe that wasn't such a, a silly idea as it maybe sounded at the time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, part of the debate around ending the season at steps three to seven has been that, well, isn't football all one pyramid system, so you should treat every single level um, the same but of course we've heard recently that the the government are in talks with the Premier League about starting um, the Premier League season so that we can have behind um, closed doors matches played which will entertain the population during lockdown which of course indicates that they're that they're a different case but you make a good point because football at our level is as much about that clubhouse side and the income generated by the sports and social clubs that go with our that go with our Western League matches, uh, as well as the football. I mean, you know, somebody said to me at the beginning of this crisis, you can't really play Western League games behind closed doors because actually the most important side of it is the clubhouse. Well, we don't get the television income, obviously, nor should we either, by the way. Um, <laughs> but we don't, we don't get the... But we, our sole income is from sponsors and money, you know, and money that other teams can generate behind in, in the club and stuff. I mean, in terms of my club... Um, I think we've probably been hit less than maybe others because, um, you know, we we get contributions from businesses as opposed to um, rely on the clubhouse. So maybe we've suffered less than others, but it's still tough, you know, and there will be ramifications from it when it all starts back again. Um, ultimately, one thing we do know is that, um, you know, the, the marketplace for players is all going to be different when it all comes back out. You know, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be weird, and people, and you know, you know, maybe players' values are different because of it. Maybe the standard of pitches might be different. Maybe the, you know, if there's less money in the game, then the quality will reduce. So, you know, it's about, um, it's, it's it's a worrying time for the for everyone, really. Well, let's try and move it back to matters of the playing field. You were fourth in the table um, when the um, uh, when the season was concluded. Um, were, I mean, I, I, I won't. I don't mind admitting, Ray, that I was slightly surprised with your lofty league position. Uh, what did you think of it at the time? Yeah, it, it, let's have it right. You know, it, it's a great position for us to. And, and bizarrely, if we don't let in a ninety-eighth minute equaliser at Plymouth, we'd have finished second. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was massively off kilter because we played four or five games more than others so um, it looked it probably it probably looked loftier than it would have otherwise been however that doesn't detract away from the fact that if we'd have started the season in September we'd have been up there anyway you know we had a slow start but when we got going we were um, we were a match you know we were a good match for anyone you know we were just unlucky that we played we played Plymouth and Bitten really early before our squad had settled down have you been in touch with your players um, during the lockdown? Uh, I've tried not to. I don't really like them, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, that's obviously a joke. Um, yeah, bits and pieces. Um, we've had like a Zoom quiz night and things like that, um, which I, I did the quiz for them. I think they found it a bit of a struggle, which uh, maybe I overestimated how sensible they are. Um, but no, no, yeah, we've always been staying in touch, giving each other a banner, but, you know, I think they're, they are missing each other. They keep the, the sort of warmth of feeling they give each other at times is, is more than some people give their families, I'm sure. Because on a serious note, given how well you you were finishing the uh, the season, I mean, you'll want to keep that the, that squad together, won't you, for the next campaign? Yeah, I, 
think, don't get me wrong, I think, you know, I'd like to make a couple of additions if if, if we can do it. We've got, I think me and, me and Horace have got the, the maximum out of the squad that we have um, and the budget limitations that we have. I think we've managed to get the best players with the best spirit that we can garner. Um, so, yes, we're going to, we, we want to utilise and, and re-sign you know, as many of those, as many of this season's players as possible, and then maybe just keep adding and adding. You know, you stand still, you go backwards, don't you? So, you know, if we can add a bit of quality, then we'll do it, but not at the expense of the change room. It'll have to be the right guy. Now, you're famous, or your club is famous, of course, for its extraordinarily good pitch. Um, and when we start playing again, what lessons do you think that the Western League need to learn about the scheduling of fixtures so that we don't um, we don't see the sort of disruption that, that was characterised by this campaign. Well, this is this, this is a, a subject that I you know I've spoken about um, on Twitter a few times, and you know whilst people think that my character is trying to wind people up, I actually think there's a bit in it. I think um, clubs. Well, say, let's let's take example Mike. So I shouldn't speak about other clubs, but my club over the years of, of have had no very little or no budget and have only started ha- um, having a very small um, budget this this season and like the last two seasons but what that's enabled them to do in the past is put some that really good finance and resource into the pitch um, and instead of having a, a 40 or 50 thousand pound wage bill per per season they spent that kind of money on the drainage and our pitch is as good as anybody's. You know, it, it, it drains as well as anyone's, you know, and it, it's, you know, and, you know, it's, it's frequently commented on. What do I think when it all starts back? The league shouldn't top load the start of the season because, um, because I don't think that's fair to, because, you know, the season is a whole thing. People can win or lose a season in the first few, um, in the first few, in the first month and a half, six, yeah, six to eight weeks. And the season's a long old nine-month process, so I don't think you should top-load it. I think you should spread them out evenly across the league, but put more onus on the clubs to make sure their pitches are up to standard so that they can take a bit of rain. One thing that, of course, the coronavirus crisis has done is it's, it's fixated us on the here and now, but there was a great deal of um, discussion and debate over whether this season, of course, would have been extended anyway as a result of the disruption. And... The fixture backlog that we we saw at the end of the season would have played a, a big part in who ultimately would have won this this campaign, wouldn't it? Because although we said about your your position as fourth as as, as false, actually the clubs above you, because of the of the sheer number of matches that they had to play, if they had hit an injury crisis, because you had got those games in already, they may have gone on a bad run, which could have which could have improved your your season, couldn't it? You know, I, I think if you asked hand on heart a lot of managers and chairmen across the season, not so much towards the towards the end of I say the season, but not so much towards the end, but certainly at the start, I think there was games called off which could have been fifty fifty where managers, chairmen have leaned on local referees to call it early, um, because a striker's not available or a keeper's off injured or something. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are very keen to say, oh, we should top load the season, but at the same time, those guys are saying, look, Mr Chairman, if we can get this game called off, that'd be good, because so-and-so isn't available. Managers have got to be very careful about, you know, saying things like that, um, that I'm whinging about the backlog, and clubs do as well, because, you know, if you put the finance that they've put into playing budget, um, certainly at the top end of our league, you put that sort of finance for a season or two into your pitch, like, um, like our club have done, then then you, you won't have those problems. But it's I guess it's about what their priority is and, and you know, they've set their own stalls out, I guess. As outspoken as ever, Ray, um, we've been running a campaign this season to promote match officials across the Western League and beyond. Now, whenever your name comes up in conversation, what do you think they've got to say about you? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 sometimes I, I think at best is a, it's a bit of a Marmite thing. Some people that know me know what I'm like, and the people that know me from afar haven't got a clue. Um, do you know what I mean? So if, what people may say about me is probably fair, because that's the impression that I give them on a Saturday on a touchline. You know, I'm probably a bit more antagonistic than I need to be, but it, it amuses me to do so. So, 
you know, that's it's part, of, it's part of what I enjoy, really. So I know I shouldn't do it. I know I'm a bit of a nightmare. I should probably apologise to the other 20 managers in the league for being a bit of a wally at times. But, um, well, I quite enjoy that part of the game. So, um, you know, so I, I can't change who I am. We're all passionate people. And, you know, most of the people involved in football are just wind-up merchants anyway. Now, you, you, you assume then that, that, that the response I would have got would have been largely negative, but I think you do yourself a disservice there because, actually, I know you've been doing some work with ref support. Um, I don't know if it was this season or whether it was, it was last season. And, actually, I think that that, that, that has enabled you to, un, you to get to know the, the match officials a bit better and also them to get to know you, and I think that has helped probably respect in both directions. I was much better towards the official. My, my pitch side manner, shall we say, was much better. Um, was much better uh, this season. Than it was probably off the back of me doing a forum for the referees. It's a bit of a open mic Q and A that I did. I think there's about fifty or sixty odd um, referees came to a, a meeting with um, me and Stu James at Backwell and um, Bath City guy Jerry Gill, um, though, which was which was good. It was you know they. You know, there's a lot of quite a lot of points that I've raised that they that now understand, and I don't have to forcefully make on a Saturday frequently. Um, but at the same time, you know, they, they've, there's a, a, lot, a lot of terminology and a lot of their training got explained to me, and you know, I can now understand a lot of their processes. I can be quite critical sometimes, but um, I think by and large, I think you know, this this last season, I think I've been better than I have been for a long while. Now, our final duty this season would have been, of course, the Les Phillips Cup final. Um, but oh, I, I, I noticed... Mr. Treat. Well, I, I noticed you were doing your best to avoid commentating with me because um, your team was still in the hat. I mean, how, how do you think you were going to get on? Well, we had, out of the four teams left, there was, we had Bradford away, which I think on paper was the hardest, um, hardest fixture that we could have possibly pulled out. Um, if I had my full squad available to me and all the injuries and suspensions were um, uh, were ava- would have been available, uh, I think we'd, we could give a match to anyone. Absolutely anyone. Um, so whether we would or not, I don't know, because at the time that Bradford were going really strong themselves. Um, but if I had everyone available, it would have been a hell of a good game. Well, on a serious note, of course, Bradford would have had a considerable fixture pile-up, wouldn't they? Which you wouldn't have done. So, actually, if, they, if they'd still been embroiled in a race with Plymouth Parkway uh, up until the end of the season, then you might have been, been the beneficiary of some tired legs. Perfect. You know, and quite right, too. Then, then, then it's all worthwhile, isn't it? It's, you know, then, you know that's, that's where, if we'd have won that, you know, the man of the match goes to the, you know, the people that... The, sort our pitch out and that made the committee that made the decision to go without budget for, for several years and put the money instead into a pitch so you know that's what that would that would be the assist for them like you know so if if i wasn't going to be able to be joined by you in the commentary box this year who, who which which other western league manager would you have nominated for that duty before we got on here. Don't you worry. Um, you take as long as you like to think about it because I can edit this, remember? <laughs> okay. Um, who do I... Well, I like Craig Loxton um, and John Durbin. I like those two. Um, I think they're probably... Uh, who else is there? I'm, I'm probably going to miss someone out terribly now. Yeah, I'd have gone with Lox because he... Especially as he'd, um, he was in the final a couple of years ago himself. So, yeah, probably Craig Loxton and Johnny Durbin, maybe. And my thanks to Ray for his time and his support um, for the podcast throughout uh, throughout the time we've been doing it. Now, Tom, um, we're going to go over to you for your self-isolation nation. Of course, this is where you tell the listeners how you've been coping um, in lockdown. So, what have you been what have you been up to over the last seven days? I don't know if coping is the right word, but we, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying. Um, yeah, you know, same well, same as last week, really. Uh, Obviously, the weather, as of today, has taken a bit of a turn for the worse, which is a bit disappointing. Less, less time in the garden, but, yeah, um, sort of watching a few films, a bit of TV and, yeah, reading and stuff like that. So pretty similar, a bit of baking. <laughs> just, just trying to get a bit of variety in my life. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's not the most, you know, it's not the most enjoyable of times for anyone, I don't, I don't, I don't imagine. But, yeah, in terms of in stuff I sort of enjoyed, I uh, started a new book, which is about cricket uh, and 2020 cricket in particular. Uh, which obviously uh, was born in in England about 2003 or four something like that, 
so there's a book called Cricket 2.0, which uh, looks back at the well, uh, how it how it sort of came about and and the stories that have come from uh, T20 cricket and how it's sort of evolved uh, over time. And yeah, I'm really enjoying that. It's uh, it's a pretty new book, so it's uh, it's nice and modern and got quite a lot of uh, facts and whatnot in, which is the sort of sort of thing I like. So that's uh, yeah, decent decent book. Uh, watched a couple of films, uh, a few more James Bond <laughs> films ticked off. Uh, well, when I say ticked off, watching for probably the tenth time. Uh, but yeah, View to a Kill and, and Living Daylights, which uh, yeah, pretty pretty decent. Bit Roger Moore uh, and Timothy Dalton, so that was that was good. And then I watched a film called Rudy as well, which was um, it's American football. Uh, it's about uh, uh, it's the chap who plays Samwise Gamgee in um, uh, Lord of the Rings, which people will probably recognise him most for. Uh, and he yeah goes from sort of rags to riches, d- turns up at the Notre Dame as a someone who's yeah. Bit, bit small and whatnot, and then ends up playing playing uh, American football for the esteemed college, and obviously I think it's based yeah yeah it's based on a true story, so that was that was interesting. A little bit of TV. Uh, I don't know if you've been seeing the replacement for Match of the Day. They've been doing these sort of uh, top ten countdowns and Premier League uh, stuff, sort of managers and uh, foreign uh, imports and goal scorers and stuff, and they've been. Uh, pretty good chat so that was uh, with Gary Lineker Alan Shearer and, and Ian Wright it's pretty generally pretty good debate and uh, Ian Wright's generally got quite a lot of stories and it's pretty funny so yeah I've enjoyed those uh, and then last night uh, there was a The Chasers uh, there was a new show uh, quiz show with them obviously everyone's watched well at least everybody knows about The Chase which is on usually 5 o'clock-ish I think most, most evenings but this was on at 9 o'clock last night and all five of The Chasers um, they're a, sort of a team, and you go up against them and, and try and try and beat all five of them at the same time, which is uh, yeah, a bit, bit of variety. So that was that was pretty cool. And then Netflix have uh, just added the second series of something called Afterlife, which is with Ricky Gervais, which is uh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty deep at times, but yeah, it's a comedy as well, so it's interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting show. Um, yeah, and. Obviously, he's the main character, but there'll be quite a few people, um, characters that I think people would recognise from various uh, different different shows and whatnot. So yeah, that's uh, well, I recommend it if if you've got on Netflix and you're a bit short of time, and they're only sort of half an hour episodes, so they're pretty easy to to catch up on. So yeah, that's sort of what I've been up to this week, I think. Um, my dad took your advice and uh, read the Eddie Jones ah, okay. book that you've been that you've been reading. He thoroughly enjoyed that. So yeah. um, I do I do hope some of the listeners, if 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 you've managed to prick their interest and um, with any of the any of the things that you've come up with, then hopefully there'll be people who um, who uh, you know can can find a little bit of enjoyment out of it. I'd very much like to follow your advice, but unfortunately in my household it is sort of it's mm-hmm. it's it's Peppa Pig and Master Chef. Um, not necessarily in that order um but uh, yes so uh, uh, our next interview um is with Stuart Jones the manager of Ashton and Backwell uh, United they'd had a very good um season this season so it was um it was about time i i had an opportunity to talk to uh, to Stuart Stuart is a chip off the old Ray Johnson block and um, when he found that Ray was on this week's podcast it was very much a case of anything uh, you can do i can do better so if you enjoyed our chat with Ray i think you're going to thoroughly enjoy our chat with uh, with Stuart i started off by asking Stuart how he felt when he found out that the season had been voided uh well it it knocked me off my chair i must say because i was absolutely convinced that they were going to do the uh ppg system because that's what they do in the fa cup and and they probably get that wrong because they let teams that come out of the prem or get relegated from the prem go into the fa cup but i off tangent, I was expecting them to go play points per game. Absolutely convinced. So, yeah, I was a bit disappointed, as you can tell by some of my tweets, if anybody follows me. <laughs> I mean, in terms of actually not playing again, though, I think that the ship has sailed on anybody who thought it was worth us hanging on. What do you think of that? Yeah, now, everybody's come up with their great hypothesis about what should and what shouldn't happen, but we're in a, we're in a really strange um, situation. Whereas nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, and for them to sort of cancel the season, I sort of get. Um, in, 
I've got a real small part of me that wants them to cancel the Premier League as well so that everybody else knows how I feel. So all them fans that support Leicester in the Champions League and Sheffield United and Wolves who are close and Liverpool, I want them to know how I feel. So I want the, the FA to cancel the Premier League. A little small part of me. I mean, how, how about your club, though? How's, how's that coping? Because, of course, I think initially the decisions not to play matches were based on, um, you know, on, on social distancing and, and the lockdown um, legi- um, uh, regulations that have been, been put in place to sort of to, to safeguard us during this time. But actually, you know, we, we've seen clubs fundraising. We know that clubs are suffering because their facilities aren't open. Um, how, how are Ashton and Backwell doing at the moment? Well, we, we are going to have a, a, a financial um, implication, I'm guessing, because we've got landlords. So we've got to pay a bill at the end of the month, like a public house or whatever. So we we don't know what we're going to do. We've got a few. We've done a bit of uh, troubleshooting with regards to what we will do. But when, I don't know. I would like to think that we would do some sort of family day and I think because that's what, we're built on our football club. We're built on the social side of it. That's part of the principles and fundamentals of the club. So I'm guessing we'll go down that route in terms of having a Ashton boys' dad's games up there or a family barbecue. Uh, our captain is uh, wife's pregnant, so maybe we may have a, some sort of day out up there regarding that. She'll probably disagree, but I don't know. Wet the baby's head up there, I don't know. We'll have to have something, I'm guessing. I mean that's obviously um, uh, if if we're allowed if we're allowed out now I mean hopefully we will be but I think that this you know in these difficult times of course the, the you know the idea of going for a barbecue or having a sort of a, a family fun day does still feel a long way away doesn't it until we get some clarity from the government over when social distancing um, regulations will be will be lifted somewhat. You hit the nail on the head. I have no idea. No one does. No one has a clue what's going on. Um, and I don't think the public are helping. I walk, my partner and I walked down the shop the other day and the bus was full. We went into Asda and people are crashing buses, which sent my my um, anxiety through the roof, I must say. But we're, we're so far away. I, I, my personal opinion, I think if we kick a ball in October, we would be very, very fortunate. Now, now let's look on the on the positive side of things because your season, um, well, you must have been happy with it. I know you were fifth in the table um, when football ceased, but actually, had had you had you finished uh, using the points per game system, of course, you would have been you would have been fourth, which would have put you into one of the promotion places. Well, the um, I was at, Ch- at Cheltenham Races the, the day we had the call that the Saturday game's going to be cancelled, and that, and I instructed the team don't worry we'll be all right no matter what happens we'll be all right because i think one of the players sent through that the season's gonna be terminated and there was all these weird and wonderful um guesses of what's gonna happen but i was absolutely convinced we were gonna be all right um in terms of the season the season went well we we've done a double over a couple of top teams i don't think anybody would begrudge calm being top even though we were going looking for that sort of um, position in the league, but we were doing all right. We're not a million miles away, I must say. So, now, a cup run next year as well would be nice. Now, I mean, on a serious note, had you achieved promotion, even if it had been in that fourth slot, is that something that you'd been considering? At the beginning of the season, everybody seems to set up like we can win the league by doing this and doing that. But I think by and large, promotion's promotion at the end of the day. And, and the following season, unless you've won the league, nobody's sort of interested in who comes second, third or fourth if you go up. Um, bearing in mind, if you take the football side out of us and the other side of football clubs in terms of budgets and stuff, we we're probably reached our ceiling. But in term, if you bring the football side into it, I think we we could do more or do better um, with what we've got. So I think if you would give me fourth at the beginning of the season, I would take it. I think. And how would you have felt about competing in a in a Western League Premier Division that would have been stretching into Cornwall next season? That would have made uh, trips coming home a little bit more fun. I must say, <laughs> uh, it would have been difficult getting people down there midweek, but that's. That's the, 
the way it is. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've come from a background where away games are hours and hours and hours away, so it's not something that I'm not used to, but a few of the players may have had to have got used to it in terms of looking after themselves better the night before, getting up early. Like A lot of the players for us work Saturday morning, so that may have been a hindrance, but it, for me, I like to play in a different away, away grounds and experiencing different trips and stuff, so it's something that I enjoy, I must say. Well, I'll ask you a slightly different question then. How would you have felt if you'd have been promoted into the Hellenic League? I like, I've been a previous winner of the Hellenic League. I like the Hellenic League. Um, I think there's some great grounds, um, some some great people, some good teams. I've got a friend who's manager in there, Julie Bevan, so it, it, it wouldn't have bothered me, I've got to be honest. And I think by the mile, it would have been easier for my chairman. I think my chairman would have been happy with that. Because certainly in the projections that I've been watching, as the season developed, of course, we were supposed to be seeing this reorganisation, the restructuring that the, that the Football Association were talking about. And it, it, at, at step five in the Premier Division level, Clevedon and the likes of Hallen, of course, I know they're clubs that aren't a million miles away from you, were yeah. looking like um, potential candidates to be moved into the Hellenic League. I mean, were those types of conversations happening at your football club? Because it sounds to me like you're remarkably philosophical about sort of playing at the level, really, that, that the FA, you know, see fit. I believe in their restructure, what they're doing, I must say. A friend of the podcast, Ray comes up with uh, Ray Johnson comes up with a great idea about the South Peninsula land, however he pronounces it, should have their own sort of step uh, five, which is which is a fair point. I I don't know. I just I, I just think that we would have to get on with it and and do as the FA say, and we, there ain't nothing anybody can do about that. No, I think I think probably if the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's it's, it's exactly that sentiment. Yeah. So, I mean, moving on to next season, whenever it does start, what are your ambitions? I mean, if the rules stay in place, do you think another top four f- um, finish would be a target for for Ashton and Backwell? Well, we we have to aim for stars, and at the very least, it hit the clouds. So we're going to go for it. We're not going to bleed loads and loads of different players in because I'm. Overall, I'm extremely happy with what I've got. Um, the people or the players that we've got all understand what's expected from myself, my, my coaches and the chairman. There's certain values and principles, um, but they've also got a, there's some fundamentals from my side of the, of the game. So I think with one or two maybe additions to the squad um, and a bit of a better structure because we lost some some really stupid games last year um, and maybe a little bit more information on, on the opposition, maybe. Because we, I set my coaches a task this uh, on the first week after we knew that it was over. I wanted three players from each coach who would improve us. Now, out of them seven or eight coaches, there was only five names. Right. Believe it or not. So, yeah, so which is interesting, which I suppose shows that we're all on the same wavelengths, but then five names are a little bit dear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean on a on a serious note when talking about players, how have your how have your players been coping during lockdown? I mean I suppose particularly because you've built such an effective side, you want to keep in touch with them, you want to keep them happy because you want them to re sign for you next season. Absolutely. So the the group's still active. Um I think on the first week of lockdown or the first weekend we were partaking in some drinking games um i feel half guilty about this because we're on lockdown and everything's going on but and we were all on on our whatsapp group down in weird and wonderful drinks and passing it on and and all the rest of it the following week um we did a quiz or i hosted a zoom quiz on different parts of football and stuff which was fun and then last week they were all set tasks of doing a run which they've all done so that we've we've sort of kept the group in active by setting them different tasks and we did a quiz said we did drinking games but that's sort of got to go now i think they all had a little celebration party last night on the basis that we would have got in last yesterday was the end of the season (laughs) 
Well, that's, that's a nice that's a nice idea. Now we've been running a campaign on the on the podcast and and very much uh, with the with the Western League, promoting the role that match officials play not not only in our uh, in our league but also you know across the grassroots game. Now I know that you were involved in a ref support um, forum with with Ray Johnson. So my question to you, Stuart, is which one of you was good cop and which one of you was bad cop? <laughs> You, you, well, if you, you must know better than that. It's definite that I was good cop. So it's myself, Ray, and Jerry Gill from Bath City. And I, I felt like a guest in the audience at times. Bless him. As much as I love Ray, he got some great ideas and in, in terms. And to be fair, to be fair, a lot of it, he was right. The way he approaches it sometimes isn't far bit for me to tell him what to do sometimes it, it does make me laugh and how he goes around it but the, the general idea of what he's got to say is right on a serious note though um, one of the things that ray's spoken to me about a couple of times is actually how that forum um helped him not only to sort of look at referees and match officials differently but also um to improve the way that he communicates with them and the way that he receives information so interactions like those forums, I mean, did you find it helpful? Have you seen a benefit in, in the way that you've engaged with match officials since that, since that event? I've done two last, uh, last season now, and I, I support them. I must be honest. Um, I think we've all been guilty of, of, um, speaking, um, speaking to them in a derogatory way, which isn't nice at the end of the day. Um, so it, it gives me a different, a different view in how to approach them, how to talk to them. They're good. You learn, every time I've come away, I've learned something. So it can't be bad. I would, I would do more if, if Martin asked. I must say, um, and everybody comes up with their views and and their opinions and stuff like that. And they're human beings. At the end of the day, we we all got to remember that they're human beings and they they should be treated with respect if they show it. Now I know that you are a student of the game. Um, so if I promote you to the headmaster of the Tool Station Western League First Division, which of your fellow managers would you appoint to be your head boy? My head boy? Oh, I can tell you a few that wouldn't be, I must say. Um, my head boy? I I think Ben at Khan is a great lad. He's a really great lad. And I speak to a lot, a lot of managers like we do. We We all got a network. We all ask about this player and that player. Ben at Khan, he's a great lad. I like Ben, and he's um, and he's very, very passionate. Even though we fell out the first time we come across each other, I think it was the first two times we come across each other. But um, but yeah, I like Ben. He'd be an excellent head boy. Wonderful. One last question for you, Stuart. I appreciate your time. Um, how have you been coping in lockdown? Um, my wife, my partner, and I have been subscribing to Netflix. We bought a cross trainer, which lives in the middle of our front room now. Um, we've, the shopping bill goes up, obviously, which is I'm a bit of a gannet. Um, <laughs> so we've uh, it's, it's it becomes boring and tedious and stuff. And like I said, sometimes I feel guilty when we're laughing at something because there's people out there in not such a good situation. Um, but we everybody got a partaking this staying safe and keeping your distances and stuff everybody got to stick to it otherwise it gets worse and we don't come out and i've, I've walked up the shop earlier on and i seen a group of kids on the grass and i think god he's what you're doing but that's not for me to tell them is it that's the way it is another job another saving brought to you by tool station is this all the receipts? Yes, boss. For everything we got from Toolstation? Yeah, why? I just thought we'd spend a lot more than this. Oh, no. We got all the best brands too. Makita, Santex, Karcher, Nest. Top job, top saving. With over 15,000 trade quality products at prices that are hard to beat, we're here to save you on every job. Hard to beat. At Toolstation.com and all 340 branches. And my thanks to Stuart for his time. Now, back to you, Tom. Um, we do like a good film recommendation. What have you got for us this week? Uh, I went for a, uh, well, a series. Uh, and, I mean, everyone knows it. It's Lord of the Rings. But I think, yeah. Oh. The fi- <laughs> our final episode, I think I'll go off with a bang. Um, caught one of these the other day and thought, yeah, I'm going to have to sit down and uh, obviously watch all three at the same time. So that's 
that's uh, that's something I'm planning on doing this week at some point. I think it's just yeah, they are tremendous films, and uh, yeah, they've obviously everybody's probably seen them, but um, I think you know we're not exactly uh, short of spare time at the moment, so I think sitting down and enjoying a, an afternoon or a you know an evening in front of the telly with Lord of the Rings blaring out can't be a bad thing. So that would be my recommendation of the week. Do you have a particular favourite? I think the, the the middle one, the two towers. I think the the battle in that is probably my favourite. Um, don't know why, but that one. I think when I went to the cinema and watched that one, that probably caught my caught my interest the most. I think. I think it's just the the grand grandeur of it, sort of two big armies going at each other and whatnot. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's probably uh, yeah. I think it's two towers. So that would be the one I would recommend most. Yes, I think I I think I might well agree with you. I think that the uh, the third one sort of I, there is a there is a a, f- a fantastical crescendo, isn't there? Mm, with them, where yeah. they sort of the yeah. battles become more epic, mm. and the feats of daring do become more daring. And there is a <laughs> there is a sort of a gritty reality and backs to the wall nature of the second one, which sort of is um, is something that um, endears it uh, to me. But I'm a big fan of those films um, as well as I, as you might have guessed from that funny noise i made when you said <laughs> that's what you were recommending yeah. right then our um our third and final interview not just of this podcast um but of this season is with the author of the fans of the western league club's twitter feed now um for the purposes of this conversation um the gentleman i'm going to be speaking to should be known to you as nick that is not his real name and um i think uh, one of the reasons for that is because of course as football fans it's very easy to pigeonhole our opinions and our engagement in the game through um uh, our support for our local side and, and, and nick is a passionate fan for his for his team as well but but a bit like Tom and I he's um he's he's sort of engaged with the league as a whole and um I think that very much is reflected in the content that we that we see from that particular Twitter feed and have done over the last couple of seasons well one of the things that's really caught my eye particularly in lockdown was a virtual cup that um um that Nick's been running and um the final was played on uh, on Sunday and it was won by Radstock Town Now, the cynics out there um, will say, well, I'm only covering this because Radstock, a a team that I'm known um, to be fond of, um, and won the competition. And and you might be right. Um, (laughs) But equally, if that is the case, then that's probably further evidence, if it's needed, um, that Nick's doing the right thing, keeping his identity and the team that he supports to himself. But anyway, I thought it was a really interesting um, concept, a really interesting competition. And that's why I started off our interview, um, really by asking where the idea for that virtual cup came from. Yeah, hi. Ian. Um, yeah, it was. It was actually. It came to me um, by somebody else I follow on um, on my personal Twitter feed, uh, and he was running a non-league club uh, competition. And I thought that would be a really good idea to do for the tool station clubs. Um, also, sadly, from my childhood. Uh, I used to constantly drive my parents mad with little bits of paper where I'd cut out all the teams from from the English leagues and uh, fold them all up in a little pot and and draw the team. So I just wanted to do that, really. Um, When I first started through the idea, I had some good feedback from one or two other people that follow me, so it it seemed a good idea to do that, really. Um, In regards of running the game, so I did the draw, I drew the groups um, with bits of paper out of a plastic pot, um, and then I tabled them out almost like in a Champions League format. So each club would play each other, and then the knockout round rounds would be two legs. Um, and but it simply was a case of me rolling two dice borrowed from my uh, child's monopoly set um, and writing the scores down. So when you say the scores, um, I mean, how many times were you were you rolling the dice? So literally, I did everything. Um, I didn't want to be not seem to be fixing it because that's the wrong word but um so zero was six and then one to five obviously one to five uh and then literally just rolling them once to see what the scores came up as and and were you literally just doing that as the final score for each game yeah yeah and did that include the the latter stages did that include the final the final i did have a little twist on it because um 
I wanted to make it a little bit more kind of, I wasn't quite sure which way it would be going rather than just roll it and that was the final score. So for the final, I actually did roll the dice to see what our time score was, um, hoping actually that it didn't come up 5-5 five, because five, if it came up 5-5, five, five, I'd have nowhere to go in the second half. Um, <laughs> but luckily for me, it came out 1-1 one, one, and then uh, I did a roll for the final score, obviously, and um, it came out 4-3. Because one of the features that I really enjoyed, and I particularly enjoyed it on, on, on Sunday, I mean, I will admit to having a bit of skin in the game because I, I do have a, a great deal of affection for, for Radstock Town. Of course. Yeah, I kind of picked that up on the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, who made it to the final, which is which you know, which was absolutely uh, wonderful. But um, you know, I was I was very intrigued to um, um, to see how it how it panned out, and I must confess to being sat in my garden staring at my phone um, <laughs> as as your updates on your on your site were going up, and I and I and the narrative that you were painting, the prose was so engaging. Um, down to the minutest detail. I just thought to myself, where is he getting this stuff from? But by the sounds <laughs> of it, it was. I mean, obviously, as you say, the result was pre. You know, the result was determined by by the chance, by the roll of the dice, and the rest of it was a, a figment of your imagination. Yeah, it was really. Um, to be honest, obviously, reading a lot of match reports from from obviously just um, professional football, and then obviously our league as well, um, and then. Also, just, um, uh, sorry, with the group stages, there was just too many games to be able to engage each game that way. Um, but as the tournament progressed, um, I wanted to give people a bit more than just here's the score um, at the end. And also, what I did notice, which was quite entertaining, is as the tournament progressed, I was getting little private messages from people going, can you get this guy to score an own goal or can you get this player to be <laughs> red-carded from other teammates, which which I found quite amusing. And actually, it, it fitted in with the narrative of the whole thing, really. So um, I have to say, none of the team managers from what I could see did that, but certainly quite a few players were messaging me going, can you get this player sent off or whatever, So, um, which was nice because it... it for me, it showed that people were interested because that's the one thing you don't know when you do this. Well, that's that's right, and I mean, I, I I'll let you know now. I was quite outraged on Sunday with the the clog that poor Luke Ingram, the Radstock captain, was getting. I mean, he's a, he's a wonderful player. He's a he's you know a lifelong sort of Radstock fan, son of the chairman, and and you know wears his heart on his sleeve. And I'm saying, this is you know he's a he's not a dirty player. He's he's not that. He's not that type of player, but of course it was all, it's all part of the it's all part of the theatre of football, which is actually what made a, an entirely um, virtual, as as of course you called it, cup. It made it it made it so real. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was it was really good actually. Even the build up to the final on the day with both clubs sort of you know sending out little tweets about coaches, and um, you have the Shepton Raider doing his thing. Um, singing a song on, on, on Twitter for the day so it was really really good and um, actually from my point of view my club were knocked out a long time before so from that point of view from my point of view it, it was good to have no kind of influence on the, on the outcome I didn't mind who won the game to be honest well um, let's talk a little bit about the, the Twitter feed because h- how long have you been running fans of the West, of Western League clubs now? Uh, so this will be my, um, I was about to say my second full season, but I'm um, not quite sure we can call it that. So uh, my, yeah, well, it's the second season of, of, the, of the feed that I've been doing it. And what made you start? Um, to be honest with you, I fell into the Tool Station uh, League about five years ago. Um, and a friend said, come along to the local game. And, and that's what I did and got engaged with it. And, you know, having family and a busy job it, it kind of it drew me in um, which I think a lot of people speaking to a lot of people when I've been home and away at my side speaking to them it, it kind of grabs you and um, I became less interested in my professional team for want of a better word um, and really enjoyed the community but what I noticed and, um, and I don't mean this in a kind of a really disrespectful way to the league is that the league's official Twitter feed which has got better this year actually um what didn't seem that engaging to me um and there was nowhere for people to go i I felt that you know you come away frustrated or you just wanted to have a chat about a game and there wasn't really an avenue for people to go because i'd emailed the league a couple of times about some kind of irrelevant things really but you from my own personal point of view i never got a response so i thought well actually i might as well just do it as as you know, see if it gets engaged, um, and uh, it's kind of quite nicely taken off. 
Now, I am going to come back to that theme about engagement with fans because I think you make a very interesting point. But, of course, we, we, live, we live in very sceptical times, don't we, particularly where um, social media is concerned. And, and, I, yeah. and I will confess to you that at the start, at the time when you set up the account, I was sceptical about the direction in which you would, you would take it. Now, I have to say that since, you, since you've been doing this, I think that, the, that your content and I think that the commitment that you have shown to consistently providing that content and comment, I think is outstanding. So I, 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 think, um, I think you should be incredibly proud you know, of, of, of the contribution that you've made. And clearly it's something that has grown and grown and engaged more and more fans across the league as well. Well, that's so thank you very much but no it's that was the idea really um because what i discovered is actually there's a lot of clubs out there that from my own personal interest i didn't know that much about because obviously you watch your own side week in week out and um i just wanted to create a platform where people could just come and you know have a bit of a laugh have a chat about some games um i would put out the predictions at the start of the season which was really tough, actually, because I've got I've taken a bit of clog for some of my predictions from the clubs in a nice way. Um, but obviously, you only really know what's going on at your own team, and even then, you don't quite know sometimes. Um, so, actually, to do the predictions at the start, where you know, I think this year I tipped Brisbane to finish bottom, I think, um, which you know um, they've actually had quite a decent season. So yeah, that's been the hardest bit. But yeah, it was it was a platform for me to for people to be able to have a bit of fun, really. Now, you're obviously a fan, and, yeah. um, um, you know, and, and you're not short of an opinion or two, it would be fair to say, although I, I, I do think that, um, you know, as I said initially, the, the, it's easy to have an opinion on social media and actually for that opinion to be quite closed, but one of the hallmarks, I think, of, of the discussions that you've got into with fans is that you, you, you seem, rel- you know, you seem open-minded. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think that, that if we're using, if all fans are using social media well, whether they're talking about the league or they're talking about their club or perhaps they're even reflecting on the performance of a match official, to do it in, a, in, an, in, a, in an open, honest and open-minded way is, 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 is the right way to do it. But rarely, it seems, in the world of social media does that, um, does that actually take place. But... You know, from, so going back to your perspective as a fan, what, what are the what are the things? What are the big issues you think that the that the Tool Station Western League should be addressing in in terms in terms of the way that the league and its member clubs engage with with its supporter base? I think most clubs now, if you look at most clubs. Twitter feeds, um, and I appreciate actually what I wanted to say is actually I really appreciate that you know. It's a volunteer at the end of, of the social, you know, at the end of the Twitter feed for the clubs. Um, sometimes it's even one of the players. Um, so I think from that point of view, I think for me, it's for each individual club, you know, regular feed is good. There's still one or two clubs, probably through no fault of their own. Um, but actually on a Saturday, you wouldn't even know they were playing, um, which is a real shame, actually. And like I say, that's not a dig at any particular club. It's just... It's just the way it is. I think from the league itself, like I said, I do think it's got better this season. But before that, I think things like even little things like the Les Phillips draw as a supporter of a club, you want to know that what that draw is. And it that kind of information didn't seem freely available. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's improving. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the times that we're living in now, particularly um, with the decision to void the season and the, the, the continued debate around um, the, the, the footballing pyramid and how decisions are taken in football, we, we, you know, we can see our own clubs almost as a microcosm of that. It, you yeah. know, and, 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 you know, the league is part of that as well. But do you think we're actually sort of at a bit of a sea change point where... About about the way that football engages with its with its football family, do you think that you know is there? Would you like to see a democratisation more as a result of you know the way that football needs to engage with its supporters? Yeah, probably. I think you know. I think this this situation that we're all in at the moment, um, you know. It really shows what some of these clubs mean to the communities and to the supporters that follow them. And I think the, the, the Western League, with its Think of a Fan campaign, has been really, really good. Um, I know one or two clubs have done their um, sort of raising, fundraising, um, you know, GoFundMe pages and things like that, which, you know, personally, I didn't, when I first saw it, I thought, mm, 
but actually they've all got to survive you know my local club you know they have bowling they have darts nights etc etc none of that's happening so they've got no revenue um you know i think what this situation has led to is actually more clubs engaging with the community a little bit more and i love the nhs the nhs sort of letting key workers in next year for free is great well actually that brings us back to the beginning didn't it because one of the features of your virtual cup was going to be um a recognition of, <laughs> of nhs workers what just um for those people who perhaps are listening to this who haven't who haven't um you know seen it on on social media what what was the what what are the what are radstock town um going to get out of winning that um that that inaugural trophy <laughs> Well, apart from the glory, obviously, um, they are. Uh, what, I've, what I'm going to do is, uh, once we know where we're at in terms of a return to football at some point, um, I'll liaise with the club again. But essentially, and I had a brief conversation yesterday. Um, I wanted to originally have six NHS workers, and I'd pay for them to go and watch their local club. Um, obviously, the league has taken care of that now. So, um, Radstock of thrown a couple of ideas at me and um yeah there'll be an engagement with the local with the local community and some key workers getting some free admission um and uh, i think the club are quite keen to support that which has been which has been fantastic actually um it's been really good but yeah the whole idea was actually it started from what do this virtual cup but there has to be a point at the end of it rather than great you've won it and actually it's my way of just giving something to that community really um, we've we've veered off tangent slightly there because we were we were talking about um, um, the decisions you know decision making in 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 football and the role of the yeah. fans. I mean, one of the questions I was interested in asking you today is how do you feel about the decision to avoid this season? I think if you look through my my Twitter page, actually, I thought it was the most sensible option, um, and I did do for quite a while. But I've started to change my mind recently, and. I've kind of thought, well, actually, you know, I think it, it's an ever-changing situation and we were all probably under the impression that the, the season might start on time next year, uh, next season, which it clearly isn't, I don't think. Um, you know, actually, at that point, when, they first, when the league first announced it, I thought, actually, that makes sense. It's really harsh on one or two clubs, particularly like Khan that have been up the top of the league in League One most of the season. Um, but then... Actually, as it's gone on, uh, you know, perhaps all the leagues, regardless of Premier League right down to our level and below, you know, actually maybe there will be an opportunity or there should have been an opportunity to try and finish them off. You know, if the season is, if the start of the next season is delayed and delayed significantly and some people are talking about Christmas, then of course, actually, you know, it would perhaps present an opportunity whereby if you were, if you were going to make a fundamental decision about restructuring the entire season, um, it would be better just to finish off the one we were playing rather than, you know, attempting to sort of muddle something else through. Yeah, I agree, because I think it's going to be, you know, I'm of, probably of the mindset now that we I won't be watching my local club until 2021. So, um, you know, how does that, I can't even imagine how that works, really. Um, whereas, actually, if they just had their 10, 8, 10 games left, whatever it is, to play between, say, January and the end of that season... Um, it would just be the end of the next se- end of the current season, if that makes sense. Um, which probably would have been a lot easier. Now, I'm sure you'll be continuing with your 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 Twitter feed for for some uh, for some time um, to come. I mean, will you keep it going through through lockdown? Yeah, I hope to. Um, I did get asked by somebody if I fancy doing a virtual league, which I don't. Cause it sounds like far too much hard work. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, I hope to, and um, obviously I look through clubs' news, content, and stuff like that. But um, you know, um, it's trying to keep people engaged, um, which, when there's no football, um, is the hardest part. Which is where, again, part of the virtual cup thing came really. Um, it's to keep people engaged, engaged while there's no football being played. So yeah, I'll try and think of something, or if people have got ideas, they can send me. And where can people find you on Twitter, just in case they haven't found you already? Yeah, so they can find me um, at uh, TSWL fans. And I'd like to thank Nick uh, for his time. Now, 
Uh, normally, uh, during the season, Tom, when we finish uh, each episode of the podcast, we, we talk about either the goal scorers or the league tables. And of course, as we know, there's no league table to talk about. And we haven't been um, looking at your bulletins um, really since football finished. But I, I thought it might be nice to uh, to finish this week's episode by going over in the way that we normally would um, to talk about the goal scorers, the hot shots in the tool station Western League. Their goals might not count in the records mm. to cut. But for the fans that watch them every week, their goals are, are what the game is all about. So let's give them the send-off that they deserve, Tom. Can you take us through our hot shots? Of course. So I'm, yeah, I'm using the, uh, the full-time uh, FA uh, official website. And some of these figures might not match completely what's in the bulletin. Uh, but that's the, that's the best place to go, I think, for, well, as conclusive as possible. So I do apologise if there are players or... People who don't completely agree with the numbers, but in terms of what we've got, uh, we've got Adam Carter. We know is definitely uh, the, the the leading marksman in the Premier Division, uh, Plymouth Park, where he's got 29 league goals this season uh, in in 22 games as well. So more than the goal a game, pretty comfortably. So he was the the, the main man in in the Premier Division, uh, closely followed by Jordan Harris of Exmouth, who got 23, uh, and Jack Fillingham of uh, Shepton, who also got 23. Uh, there were others, uh, Leighton Thomas uh, of Street got 18, and then you had Jack Crago uh, of Tavistock, uh, 17 goals for him, uh, and Mikey Williams, another another Plymouth Parkway player, he got 17, so that's how it looked uh, in the Premier Division. Uh, in the First Division, uh, again, uh, a, a man pretty pretty far out in front, you've got Harry Foster, uh, 25 goals, uh, league goals for Wales in 25 games. Uh, so that's a, a fantastic record for him. He definitely came on late in the season. Uh, Stuart Windsor, uh, another another fruitful season for him. I think we covered his um, goal-scoring feats during the season. And for, for Calm, obviously uh, reaching reaching uh, a number of milestones uh, during during the campaign. But he he finished on 20, uh, along with James Rustle, uh, Radstock. I don't think they'd be as high in the table as they were uh, if it wasn't for for his goals this season. Uh, and then a couple of other chaps on 14, and Toby Cole of Wincanton, uh, and Alex Murphy of Sherborne. He he hit a, a really good purple patch, I'd say around February March time. So uh, yeah, that was that was the first division. And then overall, as I say, I the numbers here for Jack Craigor might not be uh, including all of his his cup goals. So I apologise if he's. So I know in the bulletin I think he was up near 40. But according to the full time. Uh, the FA website, uh, he's on 27. Uh, there might be a couple, couple missing from that, and uh, in terms of in terms of cup goals, but uh, yeah, he's so he's in third place uh, on 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 this uh, on this leaderboard with 27. Uh, you've got uh, Adam Carter uh, on 29 and Foster on 32. So that's the uh, the top three uh, in overall league goals, and uh, plenty of uh, similar names uh, further down the list. You've got uh, Fillingham. Uh, Harris, Rustle, uh, Windsor, who, uh, who we've all named, and others who also, uh, I think, mentioned the others that reached 20 goals this season in all competition. You've got Tyson Pollard of uh, Bradford. And you've got Nikhil Plummer, who played for both Bradford and Brislington. Uh, Gary Higdon, uh, another Bradford player. So obviously they were, well, they've got four or five chaps who've uh, really hit the hit the back of the net multiple times this season uh, so they were they were sharing the goals out and then you also have Jack Taylor uh, of Bridgewater another really good season for him I know he was among the leading uh, leading scorers last year he got 23 goals in all competitions so uh, yeah that's uh, that's our hot shots for for the uh, the shortened campaign expunged Tom but not forgotten absolutely absolutely um, right then well that really does bring us to the conclusion of this week's um uh, podcast and indeed this this season's podcast and um, before we go i'd like to just do a few mentions um I, <clears throat> i'm incredibly grateful for the support the ongoing support we get from our our league's um, managers it's a it's a privilege to uh, to do the western league podcast and we we wouldn't be able to do it and we certainly wouldn't be able to do it um i think in a way that you the listeners enjoy if we didn't have the engagement of of managers, all the managers, not just some of the ones that I like speaking to, but we do try and get around all the clubs if we can. So um, I'm very grateful to them for that. I'm very grateful to John Paul. We've had him on a couple of times in recent weeks, of course, when um, it was all going a bit pear-shaped and we wanted to know what was going on with the big wigs um, up at Wembley. Um, John, our, the chairman of our league, of course, um, does a fantastic job and um, um, is very is a great supporter of the podcast. And uh, we appreciate that. Um, James Healy, of course, who is 
um, come into his own this season um, as our league's um, social media manager. And when, when Tom has been um, uh, unable to join us, um, James has done a brilliant job of deputising um, for him. And so we appreciate not only the contribution he makes online, but also the, uh, the assistance that he gives us here at the podcast. One man whose name might not be familiar to many of you, because actually he's not somebody we ever talk about on the podcast, um, but people who are involved in the administration at club level will be very familiar with him, is Andy Radford. I can tell you that without Andy, the podcast um, you, you wouldn't exist, because actually he's the man who uploads it every week um, and also spends a lot of time reproducing it on YouTube as well, for those of you who enjoy um, uh, watching it in, in that format. So he's an absolutely essential cog in the wheel. He's invaluable support to me and helps me a great deal understand some of the really complicated issues that we try and talk about on the podcast to try and give you, the listeners, a greater understanding of things like promotion and relegation and um, some, of the, um, some of the issues that we've been wrestling with in terms of the restructuring exercise um, that's going on with the Football Association at, um, at, at our level of football. And of course, I have to say thank you to you, the listeners, because um, if, uh, if you didn't keep on listening in the volume that you do, then Tom and I would have given this up long ago. But um, the fact that we enjoy such fantastic support um, really does uh, in, in, in encourage us to, to carry on. And of course, I can't do a list of thank yous without thanking you, Tom, for everything that you do. Um, it, the podcast wouldn't be the same without you. Uh, all of your hard work is very much appreciated. Of course, the listeners get the benefit of it um, normally during the season through, through the bulletin. But um, I know you've been sort of putting in um, overtime to, uh, to keep the podcast going until the end of when the season, well, t until when the season should have ended. So I really appreciate the effort that you've put in. And it's, um, well, it's a real pleasure and a privilege to be able to do this with you. Oh, I appreciate you, yeah, yeah, giving me a shout out. But obviously, um, yeah, none of it would be possible without you. And I think um, you're, well, you're the you're the main man in this uh, in this gig. I would say. Um, I think yeah, wouldn't be wouldn't be the same without you. And I think well, on behalf of pretty much everyone who who listens and everyone involved in the league, I think yeah, a big big thank you to you. You know, getting all the interviews done, and I know it's not easy. Uh, giving up giving up quite a bit of time and. Um, <laughs> Having to edit out some of the well, many of the mistakes that I make uh, on a weekly basis as well is not, not uh, yeah, no one's no one's no one's up to that gig apart from you. So I've no, I've, yeah, as I say, I really appreciate everything you do for for the, for the podcast and 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 other stuff as well. So uh, yeah, thank you very much and uh, yeah, look forward to hopefully hopefully being back uh, next season. Um, well, with a, with a yeah, with football and some normal some normalcy hopefully. Yes, very much so. We we all we all hope for that. These are these are these are very strange times, and um, who knows what lies ahead for us. Um, Tom and I, I think we will we will bow out now. We will have our close season break. Our pitch is being reseeded, our clubhouse painted. But when we come back next season, you'll be able to listen to us on the Tool Station Western League podcast.